RPG Academy presents... fifth edition actual play. Starring Michael as Arami Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your Game Master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com. The moon is rising over a calm ocean. A slight breeze is blowing. And we are going to start with Cassander. Cassander, you have been aboard the Salt Offering, a small merchant ship, for about a week. The Reforged Isles, or what is left of them, is at your back on the horizon. And you have been sailing with Captain Gurmudgeon into unknown waters. Uh, it is currently not yet midnight, uh, but it is well after sunset. Uh, what have you been doing this evening aboard the boat? Well, since it's so late, Cassander would have probably finished up uh, making sure the the livestock, and specifically the livestock he brought on board, was, uh, was set for the night with uh, a little bit of food and water. He's still checking on... Uh, checking on the creatures that he brought that they're adjusted to their new surrounding being not in a enclosure and being in more of a cage. Um, and he would probably be, uh, feeding Shrike who is probably nesting in one of the, uh, one of the higher parts of the mast and probably just thinking about the world that he's known for so long that he just recently left behind. All right. Uh, would you say that you are below decks taking care of the livestock on the ship and your animals? Yeah, I would say I would start there, but um, I would probably wander out above deck when I, when I was feeding Shrike, so it was kind of like a, a last 15 minutes type of thing. All right, very good. Scott, what is Dane doing on this evening? Where can he be found on the salt offering? Dane has fallen into the habit of climbing up and down the rigging, being that... Uh, it's the next best thing then to climbing up and down the walls of the temple. And uh, although it's light, he's found that the crow's nest, or near the crow's nest, offers a spectacular ocean view. And the reflections of the moon on the water are spectacular. And so he's probably uh, looped himself around the rigging and is uh, contemplating the strange turn that his life has taken. Did Dane grow up on the Reforged Isles? Yes, he did. So now that Dane has been at sea for a week, 
away from his home and voyaging on the ocean for the first time in his life. What's been going through Dane's head? How has he been handling this transition? Well, uh, everyone who grows up on the Reforged Isles learns to sail. Uh, you learn to sail and swim earlier than you learn to walk. They, they toss you in, and uh, you sink to the bottom, of course, because you're a dwarf, and the, the goal is for you to swim back to the top. So, so uh, Dane is, is no stranger to the sea and the, the, the salt and the wind. Uh, however, this is the furthest from home he's ever been. And uh, I would say that the, the, it occurs to him that the most surprising experience, the most surprising part of the experience is how much he does not miss it. He expected uh, this, this extraordinary heartfelt longing and connection with his home, but uh, he finds himself here on the sea having no doubts, no regrets, no longing for his homeland. And sitting there in the crow's nest, reflecting on this transition to a life on the ocean, Dane's thoughts go back to that last day on the Reforged Isles. What is Dane thinking about? Uh, Dane is thinking about the, um, well, it's, it's moonlight, but he has his hands clasped together. He's, he's uh, looped his elbows around the rigging so that he stays in, but he has his hands uh, clasped together and he's running his thumb of his right hand into the palm of his left hand. Dane idly uses his thumb to trace the lines of the burn mark on his uh, left palm, the familiar lines of the dwarvish rune for heart from the scalding stone that he picked up from the hot pyre ashes of his departed fiance. His uh, fingers have worn those grooves down well at this point. They, uh, they know the lines, and they, they follow them now out of rote habit from the week gone by. And although calluses from newfound rope work have spread across his fingers, the, the scars remain. And as he traces the line, he thinks back to the, the conflict that he had with uh, Captain Chimere, the, the yelling outburst where where at the time his only purpose was to express his anger, his rage, his emotions. But upon further review, uh, he believes that that conversation revealed a great many new mysteries. And prior to leaving the island, did Dane do anything about those mysteries? Dane was ashamed to admit, even to himself, that he didn't have the courage to uh, once again confront Captain Chimere. Uh, after the way she merely accepted all of his um, grief and accepted responsibility and culpability for what had happened, it, it left him feeling hollow and unsatisfied. He didn't feel like he could uh, face her again. Um, however, he, he did uh, meet some people at the Sphinx, his common hunting ground, before he left. And uh, while people wanted to throw a very large party, he, he politely declined and he, he instead had a small get-together of, of fellow longtime drinking companions, and some of them were survivors of the, uh, the assault and fellow firebrands. And uh, through gentle nudging and uh, generous drink, he was able to get some more tips out of them. So, Earl Brand, you, uh, you say that your son didn't make it? No. <sighs> no, he... He fell bravely, though, and Earl Brand slams back a tankard, draining it in one hearty gulp. 
dropping it on the floor, not even letting it sit back on the table. He was there at the docks, and uh, and he met the first assault with bravery! And he stands up and, and shouts, and everyone else in the Sphinx shouts back, just kind of responding. Bravery! Har! Yes, yes, it, it was uh, truly a great stand, a great fight. And yet I... Yes. It, it cost us so much. Do you, what, what do you know of, of what led the Ithlix here? Earl Brand looks over at you, kind of cocks an eye, and looks down at the ground very pointedly at the empty tankard. Ah, ah, yes, yes, of course. Two more, young barkeep, for uh, my thirsty friend and I, for I have a voyage soon, and I'm sure to not have time enough to speak what I hear to anyone. Two more gigantic dwarf-sized mugs of ale are brought over. Earlbrand grabs his and drains half of it, uh, belching and wiping his mouth on his sleeve. <laughs> to Kovar and Invar. And that echo of Kovar and Invar just kind of bounces around the sleeping sphinx a little bit. There's a whole lot going on, and people just hear bits of conversations and echo them back so there's a little bit of a hurrah but it's a little bit quieter than it was before well between between you and me dane old boy i uh i think the temple bit off a bit more than it could chew if you get my meaning we've been doing pretty well with our trade for the past few years and then we started bringing in more shipments and sending out more shipments. And I think that drew attention where it should not have been. So, I, I, I certainly understand, you know, that the, the church is the single proprietor of all commerce on the island. They, they have every right to, to bring in as many shipments as they want. But, but pray tell, what could possibly have attracted the interest of such unholy, inhumane undwarven beings such as these. And he, he looks at you kind of dead in the eyes, very seriously, which is a little bit out of character for this conversation. And he pauses. I, I, I thought you knew. it. It's their domain. And he's, he's speaking very matter-of-factly. Oh, yes. We, we take it from them. They, they hold all of this. Yes. I I absolutely already knew that which they have all of and that we've taken some of. But please, you say it first. Why don't you go ahead and give me a persuasion roll there? And you know what? Grab an extra D20 from Easy Roller Dice for advantage, because you got this guy good and drunk. All right. Well, that means I can skip over that one and take the natural 18, which gives me a grand total of 23. So Earl Brand uh, shakes his head a little bit and, and leans closer to you across the table. Well, we were... You know this, Dane. I, I know you know this. You've been in these conversations. We were... We were taking everything from the old world. Everything that drowned. Everything that has been outlawed and made illegal. We We were bringing it and selling it. That's... That's what we've been doing. Well, yeah, actually, I, I did know that. I, I assumed you were stealing their children or their eggs or something. I, I mean, there has to be something more than just 
rusted swords and collectible books. I mean, there's, there's, that, that's all that remains of the drowned world. But... And he laughs heartily, slaps you across the shoulders. There's the spirit of Dane I know, always making up stories. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. Trying to get more to reality than there is. And he drains the rest of his mug and stands up and starts a rousing dwarven ballad that is part about battle and partly about mourning the loss of the ones who have fallen. With that, we will draw a conclusion to this memory and return to Dane sitting alone in the crow's nest, looking at the brand on his hand. Such a silly thing to have lost so much for. And let's find Arami. Michael, what is Arami doing on the ship this evening? So Arami is below decks in her quarters that she shares with several other crew members. And I've got a lantern lit, but it's partially um, shuttered, trying to keep the light out of other people's eyes as they're trying to sleep. And I have a very thick piece of just leather that I have cut into two pieces and I'm sewing back together, practicing my stitching that APOS has been teaching me. um, So that if I have to stitch up crew members, I uh, will do so with, with some skill. Uh, I'm getting much better with all this practice, but I still do it very sloppily. I was never into needlework, uh, you know, before, so I'm not. I'm just don't have a practiced hand at it. So my stitchings are very loopy and and exaggerated, and they're just not very good. So as soon as I get done sewing it up, I cut the string and then start all over again. So as you are performing this very repetitive task, trying to build the habits and practice the skills. Your mind drifts off when you think back to home and the reforged aisles and the events that transpired right before you joined Captain Gurmudgeon on his ship. Well, the other thing that I'm not very good at is making my letters. So I kind of, my mind drifts back to that last day when I was in my home writing several letters that would go to my sisters, to my parents, and uh, one that would go to my uh, brother, assuming when he is found, and uh, essentially putting all my affairs into order. And uh, once I have completed the letters, I, uh, you know, I, I get up, I take one last look at my home, which has only been my home for a few weeks at most, but uh, it it means a lot to me to have a place that was mine, however brief it was. But I shut it up, um, you know, against the weather. I'm sure I've I probably hired some someone local to, to keep an eye on it for me. And then I'm going to walk to the temple and meet with Verilux before I leave. So you walk to the temple. The city is, of course, still ravaged by the battle that occurred. Some buildings are still on fire. Rubble is still being cleared chaos has simmered down a little bit. There's no active panic, but that ordered nature of your home is just gone. As you approach the temple, it is still the center of activity. All the doors and windows are thrown open. 
injured are still being cared for in a makeshift hospital. There's still a lot of activity happening. And Verilux is in the thick of it, walking about, healing, giving advice, talking to people, counseling people. When she sees you, though, she excuses herself and walks over to you and meets you outside of the, the thickest part of the crowd. Uh, I'm standing there. In the past, when I've met with Verilux, I've always been very sub, sort of subservient and almost awkward. And I'm not confident, but I'm also, I've lost some of that shyness that I had around her. And I'm, I'm much more closer to an equal, the way that I'm holding myself, not necessarily maybe in my own mind, but someone else watching. And, uh, but I am a little bit uncomfortable in the armor that I'm wearing because I'm not used to that. So I'm like sort of unconsciously scratching at my neck collar and I'm kind of maybe pulling it down because I don't, not sure it fits right. Uh, but I give her a, a, a slight, like almost like a wry smile when she approaches. Well, army, I must say the armor suits you. I think if things had been different, you might have found yourself in this suit uh, through proper means. That is all I ever wanted. But it was not to be. She shakes her head. No, things... (sighs) Things just got out of hand, I guess. I've heard that that you are leaving us. Yes, I I have accepted a position on... uh, the salt offering and uh, I will be sailing on the morrow. I, uh, I have something I wish to give you for keeping if you would honor me with that. Uh, unfortunately, my brother still has not been found, though I keep faith that uh, Invar watches over him and he will be returned. And I extend my, my hand. I have a letter addressed to Drogon um, and I just extend it out to her that when he returns, would you please give him this? She takes it and tucks it inside her robe. Of course, of course, it is the least I can do. I I cannot say that I am happy to see you go. I think with the way things turned out, you certainly could have done some good here with handling all of this. And she just waves her hand around at the chaos that surrounds her. I wasn't able to keep my sisters alive what makes you think i could do anything for anyone else she doesn't respond she just nods her head slowly i wish things had gone differently Arami. i i truly do i i hope you believe me especially with everything that has happened especially with what your family has suffered i have no doubt that you do wish things to be different but they are as they are and we cannot change that And we can only look forward, and that is what I'm going to do. I will be back. This is not goodbye forever. And perhaps when next we meet, we will talk of better times, better things. But I just wanted you to to know that I was leaving. I appreciate the kindness and the love that you showed me as I grew up under your charge. And anything that I have done that is good in this world, I believe, is a result of, of your guidance and I saw you as much of a mother figure as, as Balara. I certainly have spent more time with you than her. And I'm confident that under your leadership, you will rebuild, you will regain your strength, 
and much like a weapon that has been broken and then reforged, be made whole again. And then I'm going to kind of turn and start to, to walk out, not waiting for a response. And as I go by some of the, uh, some of the people that are still injured, I'm going to see um, a small, not a child, but like a young adult preteen. And I'll just kind of put my hand down on her head and kind of brush her hair out of the way and just kind of give her a smile. And then as I walk out, she's going to just sort of hop up and her, her injuries have been healed. And those are your thoughts as you are sitting there practicing your sewing in the belly of the salt offering. And as, uh, as we move away from, from you there practicing, we will return to Cassander. Can, Cassander is on the decks. He is just fed Shrike. He is staring out over the waters. And you let your mind drift as well, Cassander. You take yourself back to the Reforged Isles, not your native home, but the home you chose for so many years. And what are you remembering on this evening? I'm, uh, I'm poring over that uh, tapestry that I took from the, from the maze, the labyrinth that we were in. And I'm trying to piece together something uh, as I'm finishing putting away the things that I will be taking with me on our trip. I've been able to split my warren of rabbits that I have to a uh, two, I'm going to say almost healthy populations that I can take on the boat. The Grimudgeon was very excited about having some uh, some conies occasionally for dinner. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to be stirred from my, my introspection on the tapestry by a knock at the door. And in walks Verilux. Ah, Priestess. Excellent. Um, I have a request of, of you. Well, I will do what I can for you, Mr. Cassander. Uh, there is much to do on this island, and unfortunately we have lost many, but I know that you were part of our survival. And of course, as friend to our dear army, I think I owe you. So what what can I do for you? Well, as you have said, army, and Dane and I are, are going to be off uh sometime tomorrow and i have this this vast amount of property and and land that i obviously cannot pack up and take with me on a boat i wish to leave it to not the church but to you i thought perhaps to leave it to chimere maybe teach her some some patience and some some compassion but i i fear for my for my small charges um and i feel your compassion would do them better I've taken everything that I think that I shall need, but I think that this place would do you well, uh, a place to reflect, a place to come back and, and, and think about things while not being oppressed by the temple overhead day in and day out. She's quiet for a moment, visibly impressed and taken aback by your offer. Cassander, I... I, I do not know what to say. I, I do not feel that something like this... I, I, I do not think I deserve this. I have... I have done many things, and not all of them are 
you can see the results of my actions. But uh, perhaps, perhaps some distance from the temple, perhaps a place to rest and meditate will do me well. So yes, I will care for this until you return, and I hope that when you return, we can continue some of our discussions, and maybe, maybe I can explain myself and some of the choices I have made over my life. I would like that very much. It would do me no greater pleasure. And uh, at that, uh, Cassandra will probably uh, put the uh, the hutch of rabbits onto the cart that he has loaded with all of his belongings that he's taking with him. He will get into the yoke of the cart, become a giant goat, and then uh, trot off down the street towards the docks. As your thoughts return to your present surroundings, you look up and walking towards you is Captain Grimudgeon. And he nods as he approaches you and and leans on the rail of the ship, staring out over the night sky full of stars. Uh, A low, full moon hangs in the sky. And he looks over to you. Well... This is this is ocean life, Cassandra. What do you think? I have not been on the ocean this long in in a great while, and uh, I remember it well. It's uh, it is in a fun change. So, uh, pardon me if this is insensitive or too forward, Cassandra. But elves get pretty old. How uh, how long have you been here? How long have you been on this planet of ours? I am just entering my 280th year. And what's always puzzled me, you've been living on an island full of dwarves. I mean, that's just weird. How long have you been there? I mean, how long has it been since you've seen one of your own kind? That's just, I, I love going home to visit my family, hanging out with other people like me. I mean, you've always been a puzzle to me, Cassandra. I came to the Reforged Isles for the puzzles. Hmm. I stayed there for the puzzles. I've seen my kind here and there, not often, and it has been almost 90 years since I've been home. Hmm. And he looks back out over the ocean thinking for a moment. Puzzles, huh? You're a thinker. You like to figure things out, don't you, Cassandra? That I do. You know, I've been around not as long as you, of course. My my people are mere drops in the ocean compared to elves. <laughs> and he laughs really hard at that. <laughs> but you burn so brightly. Heart. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, that was, that was funny. That was so funny. But anyway, um... <laughs> drops in the ocean you'll, you'll get that one of these days <laughs> I've been around I've, I've seen some weird things I've been trying to figure things out myself I might not be as smart as you but I, I like to solve puzzles do you think that maybe if, if we work together we could try to solve some puzzles I could maybe give you some some insight from seeing this wide world you could figure some things out with your 
brains and intellect. Maybe we could get to the bottom of some of this mystery in the world around us. I don't know if the bottom is where we want to be, but I definitely... It certainly was the start of it all, right? (laughs) You, You are not wrong. But I would definitely be more than willing to put our heads together, Captain. I think that whatever you've seen would be of glad tidings to add to whatever I have seen. All right. Well, there's a lot of sailing ahead of us. Uh, We're going to a port that I know that I think you'll be impressed with. And from there, we can relax. You three can put the traumatic experience you've been through aside a little bit and we'll figure out what we can figure out and he kind of slaps his his fist on on the the rail of the ship in a in a affirmative statement and and he takes his leave of you and he actually walks below deck at this point and he goes through the main passage down the center of the ship And he knocks very softly on the door to the room that Arami is currently in. He pushes the door open a little bit, and he he catches your eye, Arami. And he kind of nods to exit the room. Arami will uh, take just a moment to kind of gather her belongings, tidy up a little bit. Uh, She's been on the ship long enough to know just things laying around her cause for terrible accidents and close quarters so she'll tidy up her area and her needles and everything blow out the lantern and then exit the room and follow captain grimudgeon uh walks towards the main uh storage area of the ship where all the boxes and barrels and whatever cargo they are carrying would be held uh the hold is empty right now, except for stores of food and gear. And as he gets into this bigger open area, he actually sits down on on one of the boxes that's holding some some dry goods. And he looks up at you. How's how's this last week been treating you, Arami? I, I know things have changed very drastically for you uh, in just a few days. Have have I been doing something wrong? Has someone said something? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I did not mean it to come across that way. I, I honestly am, am just concerned. I, I want to make sure you are doing well here. I know you grew up on the Reforged Isles, and I know that <laughs> things, things ended badly when we left. So I, you're part of my crew now. You're my concern. I want to make sure you're okay. Uh. Well, thank thank you. Um, I I think I'm doing well. I'm I'm practicing everything that Apos has been teaching me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fine. Good, good. Uh, and he looks off into the darkness of the hold for a second. He looks back at you, Army. Not not really. Not really sure how to say this, but uh, how much do you really know about what was going on at the temple while you were there? I don't understand your question. It 
I mean, there was business, temple business. They oversee the shipping and through the docks, the cargo in and out. But but beyond that, no, not really. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Do you know where that cargo came from? What the church was doing with it? Not really. I mean, I would get daily manifests and I would, you know, take the cargo off of a ship and store it and then it would be reloaded onto other ships and sometimes certain crates were put in certain places for other designations but I never really had any cause to wonder about that. Yeah, you you grew up in the temple, didn't you? That's that's where you were raised, right? Yeah, my all but my entire life. I was a few few days old, I think, when they took me in. Do you do you remember your history Army, do you remember the stories about what happened in the war and and what created this around us, this vast ocean? Studying was never really my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, you you liked working, didn't you? You liked being out, getting things done. Yeah, I was I was always good at a task. If you set me on a task, I can achieve that task. Very efficient in that way. That's definitely a good quality to have when you're on a ship, RME. And I appreciate everything you've been doing so far. I appreciate your willingness to learn and help out with the crew. I have my own goals and and tasks ahead of me. Uh, When we land, we'll be taking on some cargo after a few days and, and shipping off again. I certainly hope that you will remain part of the crew. If you are willing to travel with me and learn, I am willing to have you and, and show you the world. If you would like to see that, I, I would I would very much enjoy showing you a little bit more about what's been happening out there. No, I, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with with what's going on, and I'm working hard to do well, and I, I look forward to learning all that I can. Good, good. So, would you say that you are willing to travel with me for the sake of learning and experiencing more in this wide world? If that's what you want. Well, the question is, is is that what you want, Arami? I, I, I would not want to force anything on you. I think in your life so far in the temple, things were done for you and decisions were made for you. I don't want to do that. My crew is with me. Well, they get paid and they get paid very well, but they choose to be here. I I would not have anyone indentured or forced to be with me. If you're willing to learn, if that is your free choice, I will gladly take you along with me. So Army takes a couple seconds and actually kind of internalizes that. Maybe a bit of a dawning realization that that is absolutely true and almost all major decisions have been made for her right up until just very recently with her claiming her own home. That's probably the first decision she made for herself. And uh, and then she kind of steals herself and then she'll stand up and, and look him in the eye and just extend her hand for like a handshake. Yes, I do want to go with you, Captain. I want to go. And Captain Gurmudgeon reaches out, grabs your hand firmly, kind of clasps you 
by the wrist, that old-fashioned handshake, and stands up. I think, uh, I think this is going to end well for you, Army. After everything you've done, I think, I think you're going to have a good life ahead of you. But uh, it's pretty late, and we've got a lot of sailing to do, so I'll take my leave of you, and perhaps we should get some sleep, right? Yes. Um, so Army will find her way back to her quarters and to her bunk, and it's very dark where she's at, but there's, there's just enough light that as she crawls into her, her bunk, which is like three stacked on top of each other, almost like a, kind of like a hammock, on the bottom side of the hammock above her, where there's a crew member snoring soundly, uh, she has affixed that stone that she found. So the last thing that she sees, which is just the dark shadow, is that stone with the rune for broken family when she drifts off to sleep. And let us return now to Dane. Dane, you have spent the evening in deep thought in the crow's nest, but it's late. There's a lot on your mind. You're getting a little tired. And you decide to climb back down and and head back to your bunk. Yes, Dane was uh, quite specific that uh, Captain Curmudgeon would have a feather bed for him. And uh, so far it's been good, quite a bit nicer than sleeping on his couch. So as Dane climbs out of the riggings, he hits the deck and starts to walk back towards the, the bunks. And you stop for a second. Uh, something on the horizon caught your eye. Just a, a flash of the moonlight on, on the relatively calm ocean. And when you look back, you notice that Captain Grimudgeon is standing there leaning against the ship next to the door. And he's just staring out at the ocean, very quiet, hasn't responded to you at all. He's just kind of hanging out. Oh, there. And he's quiet for a second. He doesn't respond right away. That's all right. Uh, Dane's learned to kind of keep quiet and to himself on the sea. It's, it's not as easy to have a boisterous party continually surrounding you all the time. After a, a few moments of silence, Captain Grimudgeon clears his throat. <clears throat> there are countless ports in this world. And every port has a few taverns. And every tavern has a few people telling stories. And most of those stories are about the end of the world. What happened? What caused all of this? Everyone has their own idea, their own version. And his tone is a lot more serious and calm than you've heard him recently. He's not speaking directly to you, but his tone is just very different. I like hearing these stories. I I like comparing things, I like sharing, but my favorite version of that story is that during that final great war, the goddess of death rose up above the carnage, and she wept. She could not comprehend what was happening even in her divine role what we had done surpassed anything everything and her tears caused this and he shakes his head just quietly looking out at the ocean we all have a story dane 
We all have a reason to be here. We all have... We all have our own heartbreaks at home. I cannot begin to understand what you are going through, but... And he looks at you for the first time in this conversation. But you're not alone. You're not the only one who has experienced loss. I hope that I hope that makes sense to you. I, I hope that as we travel, you can come to some sort of understanding and a way to move on, a way to move past this. Well, I'd like to think it would take drowning the world again. But... You may be right. I may come to a good place in time. There's an old saying. There is no sorrow that the sea cannot drown. I've always chosen to believe that when we are out here and we are working, when we are sailing, we can learn more about ourselves. We can figure out ways to understand things that are uncomprehendable. Things that happened seemingly without reason. But other people interpret that saying a little differently. That's why there's no end to the bodies under the ocean. What do you think, Dane? Do you think if we continue our adventure, you might be able to find a way to understand without such a harsh ending to your story? Oh, I I don't think my story has ended. I'd like to think that This is just volume two. And he smiles. I think that's fair. He doesn't clasp you on the shoulder, but he does quickly put a hand on your shoulder in a friendly manner and walk away. All right. So after this night passes, the next day dawns. It is a busy morning on the salt offering. You guys have been sailing for about a week. You've all been learning what it means to be a sailor on a ship. Uh, The crew is running through their daily tasks quickly and efficiently. Captain Grimudgeon is at the helm next to his navigator, Tash. Uh, She is steering the ship, and Grimudgeon is, in a very typical, boisterous and happy manner, Uh, singing a bit of a song, telling a bit of a story, just really enjoying life. Captain Grimudgeon is just the epitome of a sea captain. He he loves doing what he is doing. So, Matthew, what is what is Cassander's role on the ship? What what is he doing as the day dawns? As the day dawns, since he's probably been up already, he was um probably just make himself useful on the ship um helping uh, wherever he could but once once everyone else started to actually wake up he would probably get a get down to his duties which include helping feed everyone for lack of a better word he would uh go down to the quartermaster and see uh scales the the large reptilian monstrosity that uh that makes sure everything is uh where it should be and everything's taken care of and he would, you know, check with him and make sure he was getting the right things to bring up to the cook and the right uh, measurements of grog or whatever liquid we're drinking and, and, and you know, take care of things that way. All right. All right. And uh, Michael, what's, what's Army doing this morning? 
So I would be assisting um, APOS with uh, the breakfast meal for all the sailors that are essentially on shifts. They're getting up to start their day while the is, there's kind of a crossover as, as people go to sleep and people get up. And then I actually, uh, as has been my custom for the last few days, um, I set aside plates for Cassander and for Dane uh, with a little extra, uh, however they, they particularly like their food prepared, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm in the galley serving food and cooking food at the moment, waiting for them to come down to join me for our breakfast. Scott, what is Dane doing this morning after last night's events? Dane may have broken with many of his uh, the old tropes and habits and ruts of his prior life. But uh, one stays the same, and that is that he will sleep in until at least afternoon before uh, anyone, the sea, hell, or high water, or salted winds, or demons from the frozen deep will roust him from bed. So, Michael, do you guys wait for Dane to wake up to share that first meal, or do you guys go get him out of his feather bed that has somehow been wrangled into the ship's bunk. I would think that particularly with what has happened recently, I would be on the side of letting Dane be Dane and I would uh, accommodate his his sleeping preferences so that his his meal will be ready when he's ready for it. Alright, so as Arami is down in the galley, Apos is cooking away He's grumbling to himself in, uh, kind of muttering in half-orc, half-common. This is kind of his habit as he cooks. He he just has kind of a running commentary on what's happening, but no one really understands it, because it really is a lot of, of muttering orcish. Yeah. Army is learning bits and pieces of the orcish language, but all I learn are curse words. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. You learn curse words and insults. And derogatory terms. So as uh, as the crew is moving through, grabbing some breakfast or dinner, depending on what shift they are working, Cassander comes down to the galley and greets you. So I, uh, I let Apos know I'm basically going to take a, a few moments. This is, again, this has been pretty regular for us for the last week or so. Um, so I have a plate for Cassander and I have a plate for Dane and I'll walk over to our usual spot and right as right as Dane sort of lumbers and half falls into the chair, I will put his platter of food in front of him at, at that time and then just kind of look at him and give him a smile. Dane warmly smiles back, having uh, acquired an adequate amount of sleep. He uh, will stretch and, and look quite grateful for the, the food. Just the way you like it. Eggs extra runny, toast extra burnt. You really are a friend, Army. Thank you. Cassander will clap both of the dwarves on the shoulders as he comes to join them and say, my favorite dwarves. He will uh, sit down with them. You know, Army, of course, will gesture to the platter she's just laid for you. Again, your breakfast cooked kind of to your desires. And, uh, and for a moment, this almost feels like old times. Dane goes to toast. Invar and Kovar, as we always used to do in the Sphinx, but then uh, pauses and recalls that, that worship of the, the correct and righteous dwarven deities is not widespread on the sea. And so instead he uh, tips his, his cup to, to St. Tweed. Alright, so you guys are sitting there eating breakfast. The crew is moving back and forth about their day. 
anything uh, special or significant that you guys do during the day or just you go about your general duties trying to learn how the ship is working? Dane is emphasizing his uh, newfound knot ties. He's He's been shocked and amazed that you can tie a knot that uh, is designed for something other than holding someone in place while you burgle them. So you have been working with uh, the sailors in the riggings? Yes, Figuring yes. out how everything works, how the ropes are slung, how the knots are tied, all that good stuff? Precisely. All right. Well, this is how the day goes. You guys are settling into a routine. Life on the sea is very full of work because you are what you do defines your survival so as opposed to life on the reforged isles when you might have had things to do but you could socialize you could relax you could do other things really your your time is very much taken up with your activities here on the ship Uh, you guys can see as you travel on the horizon there are other ships Larger, smaller, different types. You see different islands and different land masses out at the edge of your vision. The area you are sailing through right now is simply open ocean. There might be some coral reefs here or there, some very, very small land masses that are mostly sand and dirt poking up through the water. But there are no other islands ahead of you or nearby. If you look down into the water, it is very clear, a very deep, dark blue. Depending on the time of day, sometimes you can see the ruins of the old world under the water. You can see buildings, temples. You can see old ships that have sunk. You can see... Simple houses, merchant shops, old castles, everything uh, rotting beneath the water. Has Kermudgeon shared with us where we're going? Do we have a destination in mind? Did did any of us care enough about the destination to ask? All that Kermudgeon has told you is that he is going to his home port to stock up on merchandise and set off on another leg of his voyage. With all of that happening, the next few days go by uneventfully. The salt offering is sailing along beautifully. Bright skies, clear horizons, great winds in the sails... You are all learning a little bit more about how things operate on the ship. You're all taking part in things and learning as best you can. Uh, Of course, the actual crew clearly outclasses you in every way, so when something important happens, they get to work and... Hey, hey, not in every way. That's true, that's true. Dane certainly is better at uh, being blue than everyone else. In both senses of the word. We are going to move forward here through the voyage. It's about three days since these last events. And uh, it is getting into the evening and a storm is brewing. It does not appear to be a bad storm, but it 
will probably be a messy storm for the crew to deal with. So you've all decided to hang out in one of the cabins below decks for a little bit, just to let them do what they got to do, be professionals, and the three of you are there hanging out, something you haven't really done for a while. You've all been very busy, you've all been dealing with these events that have happened, so this is one of the first times that the three of you have really spent an evening together since you've been aboard. So, uh, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Well, I want to say that um, some, somewhat as a callback to our very first uh, adventure, we start with Army walking to the table bringing ales for everyone. Uh, we're not like in the galley, but there's probably a, like a quarter tankard ale somewhere. I, I poured us three and we have a table to ourselves and I come over and give each person theirs and giving Dane his first, of course, and then sitting down just uh, kind of a smile on my face. Ah, Army, the, the service in here really is excellent. Thank you, thank you. My pleasure, Dane. So tell me, how are your surgeon's classes? Okay, she kind of looks not ashamed, but maybe a little bit frustrated. I'm not quite where I need to be yet, but I'm getting better. All things being equal, that, that sounds like a positive thing. I mean, you are a very caring person, Army. I, uh, I definitely want you to succeed in this, so good on you. Well, hopefully I will never have to use these skills on either of you. Mm -hmm. It has been somewhat dull around here, wouldn't you say? I mean, obviously leaving home, it's been kind of an adventure, but sailing's actually kind of boring. Ah, the fresh air, the sea life, the the time between waking and going back to... You're right, it's just as boring as I can't imagine. There's nothing going on here. None of these people gamble. They didn't bring much money. They don't like to drink or they're not allowed too much. I don't... Yeah. This wasn't quite what the songs and stories that we heard in the Sphinx. Uh, is there something... Are we not invited to the cool parties? Like, you what's know, every going one on? of those sailor songs is drinking songs. I want my money back. I, <laughs> there's... I mean, they, they just work. Like 12, 14 hour days and then sleep. It's it's awful. It's like some sort of living, puke-filled version of hell. Well, puke because of seasickness? Yeah, the, the, the storm's coming. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, but I have not spent a lot of time in the open sea with large swells. It uh, kind of gets to me. Cassandra pulls out his notebook and uh, writes some things down. <laughs> It's, it's, it's very different when you're in the water. He, when you're out of the water, then you get all He nice, mutters right? incongruencies, genetics. <laughs> so I can't seem to get out of the captain where we're actually going. Have either of you, like, like what's our destination? Wait, we have a destination? Yeah. I, I, I kind of assumed it was just, just a cruise where we left from the same port that we got back from. And in between, we got to see sites like whales or something. That's food. I don't think that's how this works. You Dan. know, uh, Army, you never really explained this when, when you recruited me. I, I got kind of nervous because you were leaving, and so I said I'd come with. But but uh, if this isn't a vacation, <laughs> then that would explain why I'm the only one with a feather bed. <laughs> oh, you upgraded? No, Dane, it's not a vacation. We're working the ship. Like, we are sailors now. Apprentice to the, to the sailors on the ship and to the captain. Well, and You're a sailor. I don't. I don't work for a living. I, I don't. What, what are you talking about? The professor doesn't need sailing. He, he doesn't have to haul cargo and swab the deck. Did, 
Did we actually just follow you into your your lower, middle, lower class income bracket, like career path? Is is that what we did? I th- I think so. I think uh, I think you followed me into my midlife crisis. What I actually think happened. Um, I needed a big change in my life, and you guys decided to come with me. And with that, Dane will take a long, slow pull of his beer. Just just kind of gulp, 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 until it's all gone. Set it gently back on the table and say, you'll be seeing this later tonight. <laughs> Army will actually switch her mug with yours, because <laughs> I haven't touched mine yet. And then get up to go refill the yours. So how about you, Cassandra? Are, are you enjoying your new journeymanship to a uh, an extremely non-academic career path? I am not not enjoying it. Let's let's say that it's definitely a change, a welcome change. It was getting a little stagnant on the islands, you know. A little bit of sea life uh, is it's almost nice doing nothing. Doing nothing. Aren't you supposed to be? Took at that tapestry and finding all the answers. Listen, I look at the tapestry. Okay, do you want to look at it? Do you want to help me? But uh, yes, but I feel like my help is never that productive. Exactly. So let me do that. And you tie your knots. Sorry, professor. But uh, I, I I don't hate this. It's it's definitely more dull than climbing around caverns that may or may not exist, fighting monsters that are part humanoid and part cephalopod and attacking us with weird weapons from a world that shouldn't be oh don't remind me of that while we're in these open swells oh oh i'm so full of beer he's he's making more notes now so army will will return i'll actually put my hand on dane's shoulder and then set the mug in in front of you thanks army i'll need that of course it never does to heave on an empty stomach. Alright, that's not dwarven. That's not even human. Alrighty, so while this conversation is happening, let's go ahead and grab those easy roller dice for a perception check. Ho, ho, ho. Scott's easy roller dice got a 25 on this perception check. Wow! I'm so in tune with everything that's happening around me as it moves. Army got a modified 17. Uh, Cassander is really taking notes about the physiology of uh, blue dwarves and got a 5. At one point, I think he sticks his tongue out of his mouth (laughs) and really puts his nose in the book. (sighs) All right, so Cassander, you are taking your notes diligently you are jotting things away you are contemplating the larger events that are happening dane you actually move over towards one of the portholes because you're starting to feel a little woozy Mm -hmm. and arami you realize what dane is doing and you decide that uh, if you open the door to the cabin, you could maybe get a little bit of a cross breeze, and uh, that might help him feel better. So kind of at the same moment, the two of you are moving apart to opposite ends of the room. Dane, as you get over to the window, you see the sea out in front of you. You see the dark waves crashing against the boat. Uh, you 
hear the rain, you hear the thunder. A storm is definitely picking up. It's been there for a while, and now it's starting to really amp up uh, and intensify. That is not helping you feel any better. Uh, But as you are looking out the window here, you realize that there is uh, something in the waves moving towards the window, moving towards you directly. Uh, is, is it mermaids? Well, you're not sure. It's moving very, very fast. It's this dark shape in the water. At about the exact same moment, Arami, you're kind of opening the cabin door, and you hear from the deck of the salt offering, you start hearing shouts of alarm. And by this point, you have recognized that uh, when when people start shouting alarm and raising alarm, everyone starts to run to do whatever needs to be done. The sailors obviously know their jobs, and and they're all being drawn to work here. So you know something is happening at this moment. So both of you realize something is going on in about a split second here. Dane, Cassandra, do you hear that? Hang hang on one, one second. And just as Arami says that, there is a massive impact that hits the boat shakes it you feel it lurch back and forth and you hear and you hear a crack of wood from all around you and the ship starts to groan and heave you're i'm going to have everyone give me a dexterity saving throw wow dane was caught with his neck uh, hanging out of the porthole and a mess uh, coming out of his mouth. So he's he's not uh, extremely agile at the moment. He got 11 total. I think Army was caught in the doorway. Uh, I got an 18. So I was able to like pin myself between the doorway and hold myself up. Cassandra's high elven form in its lithe grace achieved a 21. So the pen spun out of his hands. He looked up and he kind of steadied himself on the table and then grabbed the pen. And what is happening here, smashing through through the ship's hull into the room where the three of you are is a massive tentacle. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. 
Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.